You are listening to an audio from Redemption City Church. If you would like to explore more resources or donate to this ministry, go to www.visitredemptioncc.com. In the time before Christ, the Jews went through a time of exile. While in exile, they would build temples scattered away from their homeland. During that time, a city named Ephesus was created by the Greeks and taken by the Romans. Roman rulers would connect the world with Rhodes. Paul was able to capitalize on both. Scattered Jewish temples connected by the Roman Empire Rhodes which led Paul to Ephesus, where he pastored for a while, left and then wrote them the letter, titled Ephesians. The lie is that things will always be the way they are. Broken people, broken churches. The truth is that you can become a new man with a new heart and a new mind. The people who follow Christ can be one body, one church, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father to all. Ephesians. Well, good morning, family and friends. I hope that you are doing well because of all that Jesus has done in your life. We're going to jump right into this, um, into our sermon today. So if you have your Bibles, and I really, really hope you do, you're going to be opening them to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. And as we continue forward in our Ephesians series titled, our story into God's story. I want to remind you that chapters one through three is all about discovering who we are in light of Christ, right? Because of God and all that he's given us, we get this opportunity to be in a right relationship with Jesus. And now as we've been kind of marching heavily into chapter four and for the rest of the book, we get this amazing opportunity to now discover who and what God is calling us to do in our lives. And so if you were not with us this past week in part 16, titled Our Spiritual Gifts and Talents Explained, segment B, it was all about focusing on the purpose of our spiritual gifts, right? We talked about the purpose of our spiritual gifts. And here's some of the things that we learned if you were not with us last week. We learned that we don't have to worry about every detail of what we should be doing or who we need to be, and that it's just one step at a time as we seek First, the kingdom of God, right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We kind of kind of camped out there for a second because when we are seeking first the kingdom of God, then everything else takes care of itself. We learned that the entire body of Christ is held together by every joint which is equipped, right? And that equipment is our spiritual gifts. We learned that Jesus went out of his way, dying to save, to ensure that you and I would have the opportunity to come into this battlefield of life, carrying the necessary equipment we need, and that is our spiritual gifts. God gave them to us. We learned that the whole Christian life, right, it's all wrapped up in giving as an act of worshiping the God of the universe. We learned that a person can only give, right, what they have, and they only have what God has given them. Let me say that to you one more time because it's really important. We can, we only have what God has given us, and we can only give what we 
have. Therefore, what we need to be telling ourselves is, how can I be so faithful with what God has given me? Because the best way to live is to give, right? We said the best way to live is to give. We learned that anyone can make a living by focusing on what they get, but that those who want a beautiful life and a beautiful legacy, they're going to be focusing on what they can give. We learned that our spiritual gifts need to be nourished by good food and that that primary place where we get that well-balanced, good food meal is coming out of the local body of Christ. We learned that finally, that if we want to understand our purpose and our, our, our calling, we need to have a robust understanding of these spiritual gifts because they are the vehicle in which we live out our purpose and the vehicle in which we live out our calling. And that brings us to today for part 17 titled Our Spiritual Gifts and Talents Explained. This is the last segment, segment C, and it's going to be all about unpacking the spiritual gifts. We're going to be unpacking the spiritual gifts. Now here remains our aim. Um, in the beginning of the Ephesians series, it's going to be our aim today and for the rest of this sermon series. No matter who you are or how many times you've engaged in the Bible, whether you have a professional Bible degree or you are literally opening the Bible for the very first time in your life, our hope here at Redemption City Church is that you would have a living encounter with the God of the universe through the book of Ephesians like you've never, ever had before so let's let's get going because we have so much to discuss this will be the longest sermon that i've ever preached in my life and, I, and i'm ready to sign up for that and i'm hoping that you're ready to sign up for that like we're probably going to be tracking just under two hours today but it's going to be a necessary two hours it's no different than watching your favorite movie right a two-hour movie your favorite movie is about two hours long so you're capable of giving god your affections this morning and i know i am so let's do this together let's jump right in our text and let's see what God has for us with our focus text today. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Here's what the word of the Lord says. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Wow. Wow. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And everything we're talking about is these gifts that he's given to you and these gifts he's given to me. We're going to unpack that. We're going to fillet them open and we're going to worship the God of the universe. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Abba Father, we've been having this conversation going on three weeks now concerning the good gifts scriptures declares were given to us by you through your son Jesus, which are now empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that truth, Lord, is incredible. Each person listening to this sermon today has a specific set of talents and gifts that you have lavished upon them, Jesus. And today, it's my hope that this message might stir their affections to better see you as the chief giver that you are, while also helping them to develop a better understanding of themselves through this discovery process of their spiritual gifts. We are declaring that we don't want to waste our gifts, which would lead towards wasting our purpose and calling, which would lead us towards wasting our lives, Jesus, which would lead to us being separated from the joy that you have set before us. We don't want that. 
God. That's why many of us are here this morning, Lord. We are seeking you. We are pursuing you. We are desiring to grow our relationship with you. We are here listening intently as we seek to discover and integrate our spiritual gifts with our unique personality traits and talents so that we can then walk out our purpose that you have for us. And Lord, for those who may have stumbled upon this sermon by accident, or perhaps it was passed along to them by a loved one, and maybe they're, you're just a little bit resistant today, Lord, I pray that, man, we, they can come in with no expectations. I pray that a deep resolve within them would just step into the reality that you are God, and that you are sovereign, and that you have an incredible love for them, and that you did not bring them here by accident, Lord, to hear this message. I want that so badly for them. So God, Holy Spirit, awaken them, but also awaken us today because we all are in this together. We all need your help, Jesus. Help us, we need you. It's because of your beautiful name, we pray, amen. Okay, so here's an important truth that I want to start off with, namely that Jesus gave us gifts, and this was done by grace, His grace. And we've learned in last week's sermon that Jesus is the one who gives these gifts so that we then can give these gifts to others. We give them back to the kingdom. That's who God has called us to be. Therefore, any conversation that we're going to have about spiritual gifts and talents, let's check this out. It must start and it must end with a firm foundation and understanding that we are designed with a purpose and a calling to give to his mission. And that is his mission is to make his name known amongst all people groups. That is our call. That is our purpose. That is the universal call and purpose for all of us. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy the uniqueness and the specificity of the gifts and the talents that God has given us. But it does mean that whatever gift and whatever talent that I have and you have, it must be given back to the kingdom if we want to be glorifying God. So our gifts are not given to be hoarded. You tracking? It's, it's not just for you. You don't keep it to yourself. It's not about being stingy nor selfish. Um, our gifts are not to make a profit over. It's not for selfish gain. That's not why God has gifted you. It's not to build up your barn house. He did not give us our gifts so that we could tear other people down as we boast in and of ourselves. That is not what your gifts are for. Our gifts were given to be given in love, in unity to make much of Jesus. And that is the purpose of our gifts. Let's look at Romans chapter 1 verses 11 through 12 to get a prescription of why this is so very important. Here's what Paul said, inspired by God in Romans chapter 1 verse 11 and 12. For I long Wow, I love that word. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Wow. Now, the most important thing that I want us to learn from this text in Romans is not only that spiritual gifts are for strengthening others, but that is the faith that is the fuel underneath them all. That makes it possible. Like, do, do, you, do you see that in bold on in verse 12? Do you see that? It's done through faith. It's done through faith. You strengthen people with your gifts, but that is that is done through faith. Therefore, it all comes down to having faith that God is who he says he is. Like that he's equipped you in such a way that he has 
given you these gifts in such a way that you can strengthen other people as God strengthens you. Are you tracking like either he's telling the truth that Jesus um, came dying to save, um, t going down, descending into hell, taking our sin and our shame and our transgressions, right? And he, he either left them there because he truly was blameless. He either really lifted on high and ascended, giving out all these good gifts, or he didn't. Like there's absolutely no middle ground. You're either all in with Jesus or you're all out. He's either telling radically the truth or he's lying about everything but make no mistake about it people of god brothers and sisters make no mistake about it it is your faith in god that gives you access to your spiritual gifts so that you can then put them into motion showing that your maturity in christ is legitimate let's look at how now james which is jesus little brother how he explains this so beautifully in his book let's turn to james chapter 2 and we're gonna look at verses 14 through 18 this is an amazing text let's track through it what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of them says, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith. Here we go. Ready? by my works. Oh man, James is really cooking and baking up some truth stew for us this morning right here. Like you just have to appreciate James's heart. You have to appreciate this book, man. His bluntness, his boldness, and the simplicity of his book is so amazing. Let's keep tracking. James is basically saying that our works are revealed when our faith is legitimate. You tracking? Like, listen, our works do not give us faith but rather our good works should be the result of genuine faith activated man that's good news i'm going to say it again i want to make sure we really get this listen it's not that we're going to go about it's not that we go around doing a bunch of work to gain more faith that's not what we do we don't go around doing a bunch of christian work to gain more faith and respect with god but rather when we have genuine faith in god and when we have genuinely experienced the love of god it's going to reveal itself it's going to pour itself out in our actions as we get to work in his mission for his glory. Listen, and the way we get to work, this work he's talking about, the way we get to work is by activating our spiritual gifts. That's what James is saying when he says, I will show you my faith by my works. I will, I, not that I'm gonna gain my faith in my works, I'm gonna show you that my faith is legitimate by my works. In other words, James is saying, I'm going to demonstrate that my faith is genuine as I activate the good spiritual gifts that Jesus gave me. See, brothers and sisters, when you are lacking and someone is lacking daily bread or shelter, we're going to get to work if we have the spiritual gift of helps or hospitality, right? That's how we would get to work. When I see a difficult situation arising within my family or within my church, I'm going to get to work with my spiritual gift of discernment if the Lord has given that to me or or if i see that there are unreached people groups who have not heard the renown of god's name they have not heard the gospel and i have the spiritual gift of being a missionary i'm going to get to work by using 
that gift. Whatever your gift is and you see a need in God's world, you get to work and you use that gift. So this leads to our first, so, so who are we? And it's gonna be on your screen right now. We are a people called to get to work by activating our spiritual gifts as a demonstration of our genuine faith in Jesus. We are to remember that our faith, excuse me, we are to remember that our spiritual gifts are purposed with strengthening other believers and that the fuel that feeds our gifts is faith in God and consumption of his word. Man, that's good news. Like, can't you see our spiritual gifts are literally our works put into biblical motion. You tracking? Like our spiritual gifts are literally our works put into biblical motion and perspective. Now, notice this word I'm saying, biblical motion, because there are many works, there are many works that we can serve and be philanthropic without it even being a biblical work in the way that James is referring to. Because the biblical work that the Bible is talking about is God-honoring, Christ-exalting, and filled with eternal perspectives and implications, right? Like, it doesn't terminate on itself. It's not about earthly gain or earthly preservation. Its primary focus is on God's mission. Matthew 28 type of a mentality. Now you may be thinking, well, what about the professional athlete, Pastor Brandon, who gives his money to, um, to kids in Africa and builds beautiful schools for them? Or what about the amazing elementary school teacher who dedicates her whole life to teaching kids the foundations of education, and now these kids go out and they make a big impact on the world? Aren't those, aren't those really good works? Listen, my answer would be absolutely. Those are good works, but they are not the good work that James is talking about in scripture. And the Bible is exhorting for us to focus beyond just earthly things into eternal things. Like, keep tracking. Our primary responsibility as sons, daughters, and ambassadors to the kingdom of God is not to solve earthly problems. You tracking? It's not to serve earthly problems, but rather is to leverage our time, our life, our gifts, our, our job positions, our families, and every opportunity that we get to introduce people to a savior that can solve their eternal problem, namely being separated from God. I'm, I'm going to say that again. Our primary responsibility as sons and daughters, mothers and, and fathers and ambassadors to the kingdom of God is not to serve earthly problems, but rather is to leverage our life, our jobs, our situations, and our families and our resources to introduce people and grow people up into maturity to solve the eternal problem of being separated from God. So if I dedicate my whole life to being a personal trainer and my primary aim is simply to help them physically, I'm missing the mark. You tracking? You tracking with me? If I dedicate my whole life to being a doctor and my primary aim is simply to help people with illness and sickness, man, I'm missing, I'm missing the mark. Man, this is good information. I need you to lean in with me. If I dedicate my whole life to being a lawyer and my primary aim is simply to help people settle horizontal disputes and temporary horizontal financial issues, I'm missing the mark. If I dedicate my whole life to being a financial counselor and my primary aim is to simply help people steward their temporary finances to lift up their barn house, I'm missing 
the mark. One more, if I dedicate my whole life to being a psychologist or a counselor, and my primary aim is to simply help people be happy or less sad or to move past their temporary trauma on earth, I'm missing the whole mark. And you may be thinking right now, Pastor Brennan, like that was a bit harsh, especially that last one. You're talking about counselors and psychologists. You're calling people's, people's pain temporary trauma, like that's harsh. Brothers and sisters, lean in with me this morning. My aim is not to be harsh, nor rude, nor callous, nor insensitive. I'm going to get personal and vulnerable right now. I have personally been to counseling myself, and it has been a great benefit to me. But, but make no mistake. The, <laughs> this world only offers us, only offers us temporary trauma. Like no matter what you've been through, no matter what losses you've experienced, no matter what abuse you've went through, listen to me. It is a temporary trauma that ends when you die. But there is a far greater trauma permeating our lands. You tracking? There is a far greater trauma permeating our lands. It is a earth-shattering, sin-infested, joy-stealing, family-dividing, hope-sucking trauma that lasts beyond death. It lasts beyond this life, and that's being separated from the God of the universe, and that's the ultimate trauma that we want to be careful to not miss the whole point of. Therefore, we need to be leveraging our spiritual gifts no matter what job position we have explicitly and specifically for God's kingdom work. You got to be asking yourself, man, if I'm going to be this job or I'm going to be that job, how am I making much of Christ in the job that I'm doing? That's the work that James is talking about, Jesus' little brother. That's, that's the work. That's that Matthew chapter 28 type of work where you are making disciples of all nations. You're baptizing them, teaching them so they can observe all the commandments type of work that God is calling us to do. And we do that by living out our call and our purpose with our spiritual gifts. And remember, you are so special. You are so gifted and you are so equipped to do this work. You hear me? Yes, you are. No more listening to the eternal lies of being insecure or having self-doubt. No more of that. No more listening to Satan's lies that you aren't good enough, smart enough, strong enough, pretty enough, tall enough, wise enough, old enough, young enough, holy enough, or anything else. Enough is enough. You tracking? No more with that. You are so capable. You are so able in Christ to do these good works. You are more than enough, brothers and sisters. It's time to get in the game. Therefore, therefore, I want you to prepare to work hard for Jesus. You with me? I want you to prepare to work hard for Jesus, but just make sure that all that hard work is rooted from the spout where the blessings first poured out, namely that God did the work that he saved you, that he loved you, that he, that he paid a ransom for you, that he, that he took all your sins into hell, left them there and gave you these gifts. You make sure that that blessing is permeating out of your heart, but you got to get to work because then you tracking because then, and only then will you be ready to be a strengthener for others who are particularly in suffering. Now, let me show you this awesome exchange between about Paul and Timothy that beautifully demonstrates that. It's going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. And this is going to be out of the NASB version. Here we go. Let's read the word of the Lord. And we, this is Paul talking, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen, you tracking, and encourage you as to your faith, here, here, ready, it's in bold, so that no one would be disturbed 
by these afflictions or sufferings or trials. For you yourself know that we have been destined for this. Okay, there, so, so, so therefore, using your spiritual gifts to strengthen someone means to help someone's faith last when troubles and storms and adversities hit their lives. Like, that's why I've been urging you over the last couple of weeks to think differently about your spiritual gifts because your gifts and your talents aren't about you. They're not made to terminate on you. They are to be given back to the kingdom and to other people so you can strengthen them in their faith. Remember, God called you out. Praise Christ. God called you out with a purpose. He equipped you with various gifts, uniquely tailored, right? He shaped these gifts uniquely around who you are as an individual. And the whole point of why he did that was not to terminate on you, but it was to strengthen other people's faith in God, particularly when storms, afflictions, and sufferings hit their life. That's why Paul says, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. You see that in the text? That's why he says, so no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. So in other words, Paul sends Timothy to use his spiritual gifts to strengthen individuals and families to know that, hey, we're going to be good in Jesus. You're going to be good in Jesus. And that's what we get to do as ambassadors of Christ, folks. We get to proclaim, I'm good in Jesus too. And you're going to be good in Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on eternity. So as we begin to really unpack all these spiritual gifts today, you should be internally asking yourself these three questions. They're really important. So maybe you could pause the video. You might want to write these down. Here's the first question. Number one, which spiritual gift presented today most closely aligns with who I am when I'm not roadblocked by my own insecurities or sin? That's an important question to think through. Here's number two. How can I be so faithful with the spiritual gifts that God has given me to strengthen other people's faith? That's going to be an important question for you to answer. And then finally, how does my natural wiring and natural talent better support my spiritual gifts as I seek to strengthen other people's faith? I want you to keep holding these three questions in tension today. Okay, now my goal as your pastor is that you would find yourself in at least a few of these peripheral gifts that we're going to be talking about. You may have two, four, five, six, ten, I don't know, but I hope that you're able to find yourself in about in at least a few of them. And then I want you to find yourself in at least one of the major gifts that we talked about in Ephesians chapter four. That's going to be the goal. But hear me out. Don't be surprised at all if you have many more than just one or two gifts. You probably are so much more gifted than you ever, ever realized. But also hear me out on this. If you have one or two gifts, there's nothing to stress about. There's nothing to feel bad about. Remember, it's about quality over quantity. Let me say that again to you. It's about quality over quantity. It's about asking yourself, how can I be so faithful with what God has given me? How can I be so faithful to use what God has given me? Okay, so, so here we go. Let's prepare to start kind of marching through all these gifts. There's, there's a lot of gifts to cover, so I'm going to march through them fairly quickly. I'm going to be faithful to cover all the gifts today except for two, okay? When we get to these two gifts, I'm going to explain why we're not going to cover them right now. But don't worry, they will be covered soon. 
But for today, you're going to notice that on page three and four of your roadmap, look at it right now, you've, you've hopefully printed that out, on page three and four of your roadmap, you will see that there is a spiritual gift chart that we've put together for you. And I really want you to use this correctly, okay? So if you didn't print it out, this is a good time to pause and print that out. Now notice that you're going to have three options to, to select when it comes to your spiritual gifts. You can mark, yes, this is my spiritual gift. No, this is not my spiritual gift, or perhaps maybe this is my gift. I'm just not sure. Therefore, after, let's just lean in with me. As I go through and I explain each gift to you, I want you to take a moment right then and there and to mark your roadmap with an answer. I want you to have your, I want you to have a real time reaction to each one as I talk about them. So when we finish the get the exhortation, I want you to immediately have a reaction that says, yes, that sounds like me. No, that doesn't sound like me. Or maybe this is me. And then I will go to the next one and we'll keep tracking forward just like that. Okay, so let's get ready. Let's do this. Let's go. Let's jump into these spiritual gifts. Let's unpack them now. Okay, so let's jump right into this now with the first one, the spiritual gift of exhortation. This is coming out of Romans chapter 12, verse 8. So here's the definition that I put together. And I want you to focus on this word that we have in bold right now, right? And it's in orange and bold. I want to focus on that because it's going to be in every single one of the definitions I've laid out. And the word is supernaturally. Let's talk about that. Supernaturally, meaning not in our own nature, meaning God did the work. God did this. You didn't do this. God did the work. And so each one of these gifts are given to us. Remember, we talked about that Jesus went down into hell. He left our sin there. He came out of hell because sin could not keep him there. And he gave out these good gifts supernaturally. He did that through the Holy Spirit. And so each one of these, we must understand, are given to us and the power and the source comes from God. Okay, here we go. The spiritual gift of exhortation. Here's the definition I've laid out for us in a faithful and biblical way. It's to supernaturally come alongside someone with words of encouragement, comfort. Here's, here's what's important. Challenge and counsel. And it's all aimed at helping them be all that God wants them to be. All right, so let's, 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 let's wisely talk about how this plays out if you have the gift of exhortation. Um, this type of a person enjoys counseling others to reach their potential, right? So you're, you're, you lean in, you challenge, you exhort, you help people, you spur them on to be all that God's called them to be. You may do that through the word. You may do that through just being able to see something in them that they can't see in themselves and you want to draw that out of them. These are part of the ingredients of someone who has the spiritual gift of exhortation. Now, um, this person tends to naturally challenge people to make decisions that line up with the word of God. They're adamant that um, people People should trust God with their past and their present and their future. This type of a disciple is partnering with people, right? They're partnering with people to seek out a better way to live, a healthier way to live. That may spiritually, it might be financially or, or, or physically with their bodies, but you are constantly pushing people to be more than what they are today. People with this gift may confuse themselves sometimes as being a teacher. And those are two different things, okay? A teacher has a specific gift that is not mutually uh, connected always to having the gift of exhortation. They're two different things. Now, let's talk about this. What is the unhealthy way that this gift plays itself out when you are not mature? So when unhealthy, those with the gift of exhortation can turn what's something that's given by God to lift people up and it can become criticism 
that tears people down. So here's some important takeaways so you can see the difference between a biblical um, gift of exhortation and a broken, unhealthy version of criticism. Here we go. Exhortation builds people up, whereas criticism tears people down. Does that make sense? You tracking? Here's another one. Exhortation comes from a standpoint of coming alongside a person, whereas criticism usually is someone who thinks that they're superior than who they're talking to. Um, exhortation tends to bring hope and encouragement to the body of Christ, whereas criticism tends to lead people to despair and being more discouraged. Exhortation helps people become who God wants them to be, whereas criticism really emphasizes on what people should not be. So if you're someone who's always saying, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, that is criticism versus, man, God has called you to live this way. God wants this for your life. Hebrews 10, 24 tells us so. Another thing, exhortation is built upon really having a deep care and concern for someone, whereas criticism stems from being judgmental and being just in a dis dis like disapproving posture all the time. Exhortation should always lead. Here's the big one, ready? Exhortation should always lead to conviction, right? A godly conviction that leads to no regret for that person, but yet spurs them to be all they can be, whereas criticism brings death, condemnation, and shame. It just makes people feel bad about themselves. Now, why is all this important? Um, this is important because of this. If you carry the gift of um, having exhortation as a spiritual gift, you are so important. You are so special to the body of Christ because God will use you to move the needle in people's lives further than they ever could on their own. And that makes you so special and so important to the kingdom. All right, let's, let's keep tracking. We have quite a few of these to go through. Here we go. The next one is the spiritual gift of giving. This also comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 8. Here's how I, how I thought through this to supernaturally, not naturally, but supernaturally share what resources you have with liberty and cheerfulness without any thought of getting something in return. You tracking? It's not where your mindset's at. Um, how does this play out? These people that have the spiritual gift of giving are radical about giving in their life in whatever way they can. But here's, here we go. Ready? They're fueled to give, not drained to give. So when God is giving you the spiritual gift of giving, it doesn't drain you out. It, it spurs you on. It fuels you more. Individuals with this gift are compelled to give across many different ways, financially, with their time, with their talent, in many ways. Um, these type of givers have an attitude uh, towards tithing that, that just recognizes that it's an inward commitment of the heart. Like they easily get the principle of tithing and are baffled by other people. So if you have this gift, you may be like, man, why does everybody struggle so much with giving? You may have been gifted by God to understand giving at a very deep level. Um, givers are often turned off by those who are either not giving or are giving for selfish gain. Now, how does this spiritual gift play out when it's unhealthy or immature and not developed yet? So when someone has the spiritual gift of giving and they're unhealthy or not matured yet, um, they can be really um, easily falling into the trap of enabling people, right? Who need to learn how to do the work, who need to learn how to take steps of independence. But because of your giving and the lack of wisdom in your giving, you become an enabler. Another sign that you may have this gift, but it's either unhealthy or it's not matured, is that you can become conceited in your giving posture. 
right? You become conceited at the level and the capacity of your ability to give. So here's an important takeaway. If you carry the spiritual gift of giving, you are so special and so important because you are literally the foundation of God's church, right? We talked about this the last couple weeks that God gave us things so we could be givers. So without this gift, the body of Christ would fall apart. People with this gift are able to spur other individuals on who don't have a natural disposition to give so they can become better at giving. All right, let's move on to the next one. The spiritual gift of leadership. This is also coming out of Romans chapter 12, verse 8. So here's how we thought through this one. To supernaturally lead people in such a way and with type and with a type of care and diligence that motivates them to get involved, right? It motivates them to get involved in a specific direction or to accomplish a specific goal. So let's talk about how the gift of leadership plays out. So those with this awesome gift are constantly finding new ways to accomplish things in ministry. So when you are activating this gift for God's mission, you are constantly hungry and ferociously looking for ways to accomplish God's purposes in ministry. You are resilient, right? So when things happen, you, you rise to the occasion in the, in the adversity. You do not cower away. You have a deep resolve about you when you're a leader. You are adamant that things should be a certain way. Um, people with this gift are often great motivators and builders of other individuals who need to be encouraged to proceed forward. So you can see you, that to be um, gifted with the gift of leadership, you often have um, piggybacked with it is the gift of exhortation so that you could be a great leader. Um, these, these people that are spiritually gifted as leaders are demanding. They're assertive. They're highly opinionated. And sometimes they're a little coarse. They are compelled by new ideas of being innovative and, and being self-initiators. They don't need someone to spur them on. They are the ones spurring others on. And so now let's look through this gift of when it's unhealthy or maybe you have it, but it's still immature. When you have this gift and it's unhealthy or immature, the gift of leadership can really be something that marches over people. Like you don't have tact yet. You haven't learned how to exercise this gift. Sometimes you can forget about people's feelings and focus too heavily on your mission and your goal. That's one sign that you may have the gift, but it may be immature. So here's some important takeaways. Those who have this spiritual gift of leadership are not always equipped with the gift of administration. So when we get to the gift of administration, I want you to remember, you may have the gift of leadership, but you may not be gifted with all the organizational things. We'll talk about how all that collides later. Um, those who have this gift may be able to corral people together and gather people together, but you just may not be able to hold and hold infrastructure together. Don't think you don't have the gift just because you can't do the nitty gritty. Um, unless you have this gift accompanied with other gifts, usually this gift alone creates a type of like an impatience in you when things don't go your way. Um, those who have this gift are usually hyper-focused on whatever target they have. And like I said earlier, you usually may run into running over people in the process. So leaders are people that are pushing people towards a goal and setting goals for others. And it's all for the purposes of God. Now, if you have the spiritual gift of leadership, you are so important, so special, because you impact the body of Christ as you cast direction and you cast a vision 
and you give people a target, hopefully a biblical Christ-exalting target that they can go march towards. You are so important to the kingdom. Here's the next one. The spiritual gift of mercy, also coming out of Romans chapter 12. Here's how I put this together for us to think through it. If you have this gift, it means that um, it means to be supernaturally sensitive towards those who are suffering, whether physically or mentally or emotionally, so as to feel genuine sympathy or empathy with their misery, speaking words of compassion and caring for them with deeds of love to help alleviate their affliction. Okay, so let's talk about how this gift plays out. Individuals with the gift of mercy are some of the most trustworthy individuals you can ever find. Like, you want people with the gift of mercy in your life. You tracking? Like, they are usually able to hold a healthy balance of confidentiality regarding a person's mistakes or sin or transgressions in a way that allows that person who's afflicted to heal, right? So the person with the gift of mercy, man, you can come to them, you can share your, your deep, dark soul wounds, and they're going to hold that intention. They're not going to put pressure on you. They're not going to condemn you. And you're going to have a safe place to experience the grace and the love of God. Now let's talk about when this gift is unhealthy or you have the gift, but you are still immature in it. If that's you, then you may be acting out the gift of mercy by leaning too heavily towards love without truth. So individuals who have not developed the matured gift of mercy will sometimes um, be so radical in being accepting that they're actually sinning by not standing upon the truth of God when necessary. Because one of the most loving and merciful things you can do is to tell someone no or that they're wrong. So here's a, just a couple important takeaways. Individuals with the spiritual gift of mercy have an otherworldly understanding of their own sin, right? And the magnitude of God's grace and mercy on their own lives. That's where, that's, that's the root, right? Or that's the spout where that power comes out, right? They are so in tune with their sin. They are so in tune with their undeserved um, uh, status with God, that the fact that they have a relationship with God and that God loved them anyway, makes them so merciful towards you. Those with the gift of mercy also have a deep desire to see other people experience the love of God. It's one of the greatest passions that they have to see people experience the love of God, the mercy of God, and the grace of God and the peace of God. So if that's you and this is stirring you up, maybe that's you. Maybe you need to check yes in that side of the box. All right. So if you have this gift, you are so important. You are so special to the kingdom of God because you are the hands and the feet that represent all of who Jesus is in the fact that he is the giver of grace. He is the giver of mercy and you become the physical representation of Jesus in that way. You are so valuable. Let's move on to the next one. This is the spiritual gift of service coming out of Romans chapter 12. This is a verse earlier. If you have the spiritual gift of service okay this here's how i put this one together it's to supernaturally remember god did this he put this in you to supernaturally identify undone task in god's kingdom work no matter how small it is and then you use whatever available resources you can get your hands on to get the job done 
Does that make sense? You are scouring the land and saying, we can use that. Ooh, that would be great for the kingdom. That would be great for the kingdom. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me tell my pastor about that. You just have a way of seeing how you can collide resources with God's kingdom. All right, so how does this one play out? Individuals with this gift of service find deep joy in just running errands for the kingdom of God period. Like you, if you have a skip, you tend to be, um, the glue between multiple ministries. Like you may not prefer to just sit in one ministry context. You want to be the glue that holds multiple ministries together. Like if you have this gift, you are especially gifted at maximizing resources and making much of them for the purposes of God. Now, how does the gift of, um, the spiritual gift of service play out when it's unhealthy, or maybe you have it, but you're just not matured in it yet. If that's you and you have that, you may be leaning too heavily on the philanthropic part of the work without intentionalizing the gospel focus. In other words, you may be doing all the good deeds, but they're terminating on themselves. You tracking? Like you do good things, you make the food, you feed the homeless, you do these acts of service, but it doesn't point back to Jesus. And so you want to point that back to God. Now, here's an important takeaway. If having the gift of service is so important, you are so special, so important, and so valuable to the body of Christ. Because if because without you, individuals would not have the resources they need to do ministry, to impact people's lives. Because you are the literal hands and feet, boots to ground soldiers for God's kingdom. That really is legit. Let's move on to the next one. This is the spiritual gift of administration coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And this is this, to supernaturally steer the body towards the accomplishment of God-given goals and directives. And you do that by planning and organizing and supervising other people. So how does this gift play out? Individuals with this gift of administration tend to come alongside top leadership. Remember, I was going to connect these. You tend to be the one that comes alongside and you partner oftentimes horizontally with that top leader in such a way that you're making that leader better, more efficient, more able to do his job. So let me, let me, let me flay this open for a second. If you have the gift of leadership, you may not have the gift of organization, but you may be able to push a vision forward, push a people forward and give a great target. But the person that has the spiritual gift of administration creates the infrastructure that allows that vision to move and march forward in all practical ways. You tracking? And so those who have a spiritual gift of administration and leadership are very dynamic individuals. Let's keep focusing on the spiritual gift of administration. They are great multitaskers and initiators, but they're usually behind the scenes. They have a great passion to see projects and goals streamlined and completed, right? They often don't need a title, right? They don't need a title given to them to get things done. They are not attention seekers, right? Keep, keep tracking with me. Those who have this gift of administration have the ability to really, man, keep their emotions out of decisions, whereas a leader doesn't always have that ability. So the spiritual gift of administration is someone who's gifted at keeping their emotions out of decisions and being very practical and pragmatic about the decisions that they're executing in their strategy. And so if you have the gift of administration, you are so important, so special, and so valuable to the body of Christ because you are the stabilizer 
of God's kingdom work because so much of the Christian life is unpredictable, right? So much of it is. And so if you have this gift, you bring stability and strength to an unstable world and an unstable church. And you are so important. You are so valuable. Is that you? Let's move on to the next one. The spiritual gift of discernment coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. And this is, here's the definition that I put together for you. It's to supernaturally distinguish truth from error by judging whether the behavior or teaching is from God, Satan, human error, or even human power. All right, let's, let, let's, let's unpack this and let's see how this plays out. Those who have the gift of discernment are incredibly drawn to listen intently to the specificity of the words being spoken by individuals. Whether that's in their marriage or business or leisure or work, words matter greatly to these people. So when you have the gift of discernment, you, you listen well and you focus on words and you can remember what people say and hold it in tension. Individuals with this gift have a special ability to recognize when someone's actions are simply not lining up with their words. And so when you, you, you can just see like, man, what they're saying is not, it's not lining up with what they're doing. Like if you have this gift of, of discernment, you have a deep intuition about what's right and what's wrong. It, it's kind of like a gut feeling, but it's, it, it comes from the Holy Spirit. Even when you can't put your finger on it, you can just discern right from wrong. Individuals with this gift are not shy either. They're not shy to let someone know when they are wrong or not in line with what God has for them. They see often the Bible is plain, okay? So when you have this gift, the Bible just makes sense to you. It's more plain. And they're often baffled when other people don't always, why can't you see that? Why can't you see that that's what God wants for you? So a big sign that you have the gift of discernment is when people tend to come to you, even when they're older. Right? So it doesn't matter if you're younger than them, they tend to come to you because they know you have discernment. Those with the gift of discernment tend not to argue with what the Bible is saying, right? So you, you, you don't tend to get caught up in trying to say, well, I don't agree with the Bible. Um, if they do struggle, they usually will automatically think, man, this has something to do with my own personal obedience or disobedience. And you're usually radically aware of it. You're usually radically aware of it. Now, let's talk about when this gift is played out when you're unhealthy or, or perhaps you're just immature in that gift. So if that's you and you have the gift of, uh, of discernment, but you are immature in it or it's unhealthy, you can be too quick to speak and it can cause damage to people around you. You can often get yourself in trouble when your character has not really caught up to your gift. And so when you have the gift of discernment, but you don't have the character to go alongside it, you often speak too quickly and you can cause damage to people around you. Now, here's an important takeaway for this one. You are so special and so valuable to the kingdom of God if you have the gift of discernment because you help protect God's mission and his people flat out. Like if you recognize someone has this gift around you, are you tracking with me? If you like, man, my brother, my father, my, my best friend has the gift of discernment. You want to be quick to not dismiss what they're saying to you. Even if you don't immediately understand or agree with what they're saying, because they maybe just maybe have insight into a situation that you cannot yet 
see you just not you may not be able to see it yet but it doesn't mean they're not seeing something incredibly important for you let's go on to the next one the spiritual gift of faith and this comes out of first corinthians chapter 12 verses 8 through 10 here we go it's to supernaturally be persuaded of God's power and promises to accomplish his will and his purpose, right? It's to display a deep and robust confidence in him, in God, and his word, no matter the circumstance or obstacle. So let's talk about how this one plays out. If you have the spiritual gift of faith, um, these people with the gift are not afraid to live on the edge of their ministries, right? They often find themselves turning to God in prayer. They're not afraid to be on the front line. Um, usually all their life activities, not just their ministry efforts, but all of their activities tend to be characterized by a deep-rooted dependency on God and an expectancy that God's going to work, right? These people have incredible, robust faith. No matter what's occurring in life, they just believe and they have faith that God is going to be good and they exhort that to other people. These people can sometimes come off as annoying, honestly, right? They can come off as annoying to other people who don't have this gift and struggle more with doubt. So someone who's considered from a secular perspective may be called an optimist. You track with me? So we often call people, they're optimists, they're positive, they believe that things are going to be good, right? That things are going to turn out okay. And just maybe if you've been called an optimist um, ever growing up, maybe you have the gift of faith, but it hasn't fleshed out all the way. Now, let's talk about what the spiritual gift of faith is like when it's unhealthy or you have not yet matured in it. So if you have the spiritual gift of faith and it's immature or unhealthy, um, you may place an unfair pressure on those who aren't as convicted on a certain thing as you. They are struggling with doubt and that can cause great division. Another unhelpful form of this gift played out when it's not matured is that um, you can lack a reasonable amount of empathy towards other people who are suffering because your mindset is so wrapped up in the anthem that you're, that God's going to work it out that you miss important gospel-centered moments to just be there for a person and dwell with them. And you may prematurely exhort them into a posture of having more faith when they're not able to meet you there. And that's what happens. And so as you mature in that gift, you're able to have great faith and allow people to struggle in their doubt and you become a great source of encouragement your faith spurs them on instead of you demanding their faith to be yours so if you have the gift of faith you are so valuable so important and so special to the body of christ because you are the core ingredient to our relationship with the god of the universe wow like if that's you you're helping to steer the church forward in times of great adversity because you are the vessel of the reminder of the promises of God and you are legit. All right, let's go on to the next one. The spiritual gift of healing. This is coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 28 and 30. Here we go. It's to be supernaturally used as a means through which God makes people whole, either physically, emotionally, mentally or spiritually 
All right, so let's talk about how this one plays out and how I kind of um, fillet this open pastorally for you. Um, now, there has been much debate. I want to talk about this. There's been a lot of debate about the usage of the spiritual gift of healing among the whole Christian world, okay? Now, some believe that the gift of healing and some other signs and gifts are no longer operative today, while other people believe that the miraculous gifts are still in use today namely the gift of healing now of course the power to heal was never ever ever in the gifted person him in in and of himself or herself right like the power to heal is from god and god alone always has been now although god does still heal today our theology here at redemption city church is that the gift of healing um, belong primarily to Jesus and the apostles in the first century. That's where it primarily was activated. And I personally believe that the gift of healing today is still alive and well. But here's, here, 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 here's where we're going. Keep track with me. The gift of healing today is one of those special spiritual gifts that God activates within certain individuals for a specific reason at a specific time under his sovereign control. You tracking? And so what the gift of spiritual healing is not is a person walking around as if they're Superman, healing people whenever they will it to happen. No, that's dangerous. The spiritual gift of healing plays out when God uses you, when he chooses at his sovereign discretion to make much of himself through whoever you are healing. Um, so here's, here's an example. When I'm meeting with someone who is deathly ill or sick, and I do a pastoral visit, and I ask the Lord in that moment to heal that person, and I lay my hands on them. If God does not heal them, we take that as the sovereign will of the Lord. Tracking? But if I lay my hands on that person in the hospital for a pastoral visit, and I say, God, in the name of Jesus, we pray that brother or sister so-and-so would be healed from cancer. And then let's say brother or sister so-and-so is healed from cancer and they recover then God may have just used me at a specific time for a specific purpose under his sovereign will to activate the gift of healing, but it was under his control. So here's an important takeaway. Now, I personally believe that this gift of healing is so important in many, many ways, and that it's important that we don't just pass it to the side. There are many ways that the gift of healing plays out besides physical healing, right? You may have the gift of healing and it's operating by how you help people to heal physically and emotionally and mentally to become more whole. Because let me tell you, I have the gift of healing, but it doesn't play out physically. Keep, keep tracking with me. I really think it's important to move away from the, this, this whole only thinking through healing as a physical thing because we're, we're really cutting out so many ways that you could be healing people as God uses you and think about it this way it's not just about healing like a cut on your arm that heals think about it as the gift of healing is a person who is supernaturally gifted to bring people into wholeness by the power of the Holy Spirit in other words those with the gift of healing help people to fill the gaps in their lives emotionally and spiritually that are causing them great pain so while Physical healing is more rare and miraculous. I believe emotional healing and spiritual healing occur all the time through God's chosen sons and daughters who have this gift. The gift of healing is usually combined, you're tracking, with the gift of exhortation and discernment because both are needed when you're helping someone move into wholeness. 
So if you have the spiritual gift of healing, you are so special, so important, and so valuable to the kingdom of God because you literally are an agent of healing. God uses you as he collides the exhortation gift and the discernment gift, and then it collides with your healing gift where you help people move into wholeness in Jesus. Let's keep tracking to the next one. The spiritual gift of helps. This is coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. Here's the definition I've put together. It's to supernaturally provide support or assistance to others in the body so as to free them up for ministry. Does that make sense? You're freeing them up for ministry. So let's talk about how this one plays out. Those with the gift of, of, of helps tend to have an instinctive ability to recognize what their leaders need around them without even being told. Like they are so gifted at controlling an environment for the gospel to have the best possible outcome come forth. These people, um, this may be you, you may have a great joy at making others' job easier for themselves so they can do even more for God's kingdom. You tend to be just, man, humble in your desire to lend a helping hand. You tend to enjoy the power of your, of your presence in people's lives. Like you just love being a source of encouragement and being a light in people's life and showing them that you care for them and that you care for what they care about. Like you easily are able to forego your own plans and your own desires for the benefit of others. So when you have the gift of helps, you tend to move your own plans and your own desires to the side so that you can get busy on helping benefit other people. Now, let's talk about this gift when it's unhealthy or it plays out because you are immature in this gift. So if this is your gift and it's maybe a little bit immature still, you may accidentally forget about yourself. And this can lead to you being burnt out because you keep missing the important mark of making sure that you are staying well-fed yourself. You may burn out giving so much help that you are unhealthy. So here, here's the big takeaway. If you have the gift of helps, you are so special, so valuable, so important to the body of Christ because you get the radical opportunity to display the power of what occurs when people don't insist on their own way. Part of the definition of love, 1 Corinthians, is that you don't insist on your own way. So the people with the spiritual gift of helps really lay that out. You tend to bring unity in the church in a strong way. Like for those who are leaders, man, we need to be reminded that we don't have to do everything on our own. There are people with the spiritual gift of helps that are always willing and ready to help us accomplish our vision. We need to get out of our own heads, leaders. You got that gift? Get outside of yourself and open your eyes because the spiritual gift of helps is around you. And these people are so valuable. They are so ready to support us. Let them support you. You got to let them support you. All right, so let's, let's keep going the spiritual gift of knowledge right moving on to the spiritual gift of knowledge this is coming out of first corinthians chapter 12 verse 8. here's the definition it's to supernaturally seek to learn as much about the bible as possible through the gathering of information and then and analyzing of that data okay and so if you have a spiritual gift of knowledge you are hungry and you are radically inclined to learn as much as you can about god and the bible and you have a, a, a deep 
robust desire to know every single thing that you can. Like if you have this gift, you, you tend to want to understand the truth and have insight into scriptures and you want to see and understand the deep mysteries of the word of God. Like people with this gift tend to have a passion to study God's, God's word like nobody else. Like you want to be in God's word all the time. Like you are, you are just obsessed with it. You have that spiritual, spiritual gift of knowledge. Those with the spiritual gift of knowledge are not always gifted teachers though. You tracking? This is important so that you don't maybe accidentally think you're in the wrong spot and then you're, and you're discouraged. Those with the gift of knowledge are not always gifted teachers, but they are usually a great resource to those who are gifted in teaching. In other words, those with the gift of knowledge often serve as great coaches to those who are gifted in teaching. Someone with the gift of knowledge may not have the gift of teaching or exhortation, but they may be better suited to do research for others or perhaps to do some writing. While you can get trained more to be a better communicator, if you have the gift of knowledge, you still tend to kind of lean into being more detail oriented and, and when you do present and you communicate, it may be more complex than people often can handle. You tracking with me? It may be a little complicated and complex for people to handle. Um, it, those that have the spiritual gift of knowledge tend to struggle a little bit with um, getting people's attention and, and, and focusing on the application parts of a lesson because they get caught in the nitty gritty details of whatever subject they're, they're, they're interacting with. Where the gift of discernment, watch this, whereas the gift of discernment depends primarily on a supernatural instinct, the gift of knowledge depends on supernatural insight. I'm going to say that to you again. The gift of discernment, those who have that gift, depend primarily on a supernatural instinct given to them by God, right? So it's a feeling, it's a gut convicted feeling that the Holy Spirit gives. They can just, they just see and they know. Whereas the gift of knowledge depends on supernatural insight. So therefore the gift of knowledge is predicated on the Holy Spirit illuminating information Whereas the gift of discernment is based upon the Holy Spirit leading your feelings in a way that lines up with what God thinks, with what God wants. So those with this gift of knowledge have a way of, have a way of when you leave them, you're like, wow, this man and this woman just knows a lot. It, it reminds me of the Connections pastor at the previous church I came from at Sunrise. Um, his name was Pastor um, Keith, and he's just so knowledgeable. He just knows so much about everything. And every time I leave his um, presence, I always leave saying, this man knows a lot. Now let's talk about what this gift looks like when it's unhealthy or it's immature. Those with the gift of knowledge, when it's immature, tend to struggle with the flip side of this gift, which is faith. And so if you have the gift of knowledge and it's not matured, you may struggle in your faith because you depend too heavily on having to understand everything from an intellectual perspective. And so here's the, the most important takeaway. If you have the gift of knowledge, you are so valuable, so important, so special to the kingdom of God because you get to help people by having a deeper understanding of the full counsel of God's word and you make it available to the body and oftentimes you're making it more available to pastors and teachers that are devoid of this gift themselves. So pastors and teachers and leaders would be wise to surround themselves with you if you have the incredible passion and gift of knowledge. You are so important to God's kingdom. Okay, let's keep going. The spiritual gift 
of miracles. This is coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10 and verse 28. Here's the definition I've put together. To supernaturally be enabled by God to perform mighty deeds which serve as a witness and an acknowledgement of their origin point. Namely, it came from God. So how does this play out? Those with this spiritual gift of miracles often have a heightened sensitivity to the presence and the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Like they have a special measure of faith and a desire for God to reveal himself and to draw many to the faith in his son, Jesus. Like they take care not to draw attention to themselves. You track in? Like these people are not drawing attention to themselves or having people caught up in following them, but they are constantly pointing people to Jesus in everything that they do. Those with this gift understand that God is sovereign. God is sovereign and he can work when and how he desires, but they make sure they are available and that they're constantly listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, ready to act. This gift is usually accompanied with the, with the gift of prayer and, and just being a strong petitioner because these individuals are deeply committed to God revealing his glory through people, even if that means through supernatural ways like miracles. Um, they do not claim to have power in and of themselves, but they always give credit to God for his glory for any mighty work that occurs. So let's talk about what this gift looks like when it is unhealthy or underdeveloped. Those with the gift of being uh, miracles um, may begin to fall into the trap of exalting themselves and pointing people towards themselves instead of Jesus. They sort of begin to believe they can perform miracles at their own discretion as opposed to God doing the work and God leading it. So similar to like the gift of healing, I believe this is one of those special gifts that God activates at a specific time for a specific reason for his purposes, just like the gift of healing can be a miracle. There are other miracles that God performs through us, but he does it at his sovereign discretion. This is another gift that you do not have access to like other gifts. Whereas we can exhort, um, you know, kind of daily, whenever we choose to activate the gift, the spiritual gift of miracles and it, some parts of the spiritual gift of healing is something that God activates at specific times for specific reasons at his discretion. Now, here's the most important takeaway of this. If you have the gift of miracles, you are so important, so valuable, and so special to the kingdom of God because Jesus is still alive and he's still well today. And guess what? He's still performing miracles in and through us. Like, while miracles are not our main source of where we find our faith, they still serve an important and an explicit purpose in displaying the glory of God. And you may be the ambassador in the vessel that God does that work through. That makes you incredibly important. All right, let's, let's move on to the next, the next one or the next two. The spiritual gift of tongues coming out of 1 Corinthians and the, the spiritual gift of tongues interpretation, okay? Let's read both of these definitions wisely right now. Okay, the spiritual gift of tongues. It's to supernaturally speak in a language not previously learned. That's the key. You didn't learn it. So unbelievers can hear God's message in their own language or in a way that the body can be edified. Tracking? Now, let's read through the spiritual gift of tongues interpretation. It's to supernaturally translate the message of someone who has spoken in tongues. 
okay? So let, let's talk about both of these and let's talk briefly about how these play out. Okay, there is great controversy. You may not know this, you may. There is great controversy around both of these gifts. In fact, they both require real pastoral care and sensitivity to talk about them well. And honestly, they require a type of pastoral care and sensitivity that this sermon cannot provide right now. Like this sermon is already the longest sermon ever at Redemption City Church and the longest I've ever preached in my life. And we simply can't do these faithfully in this sermon. Therefore, I'm going to be really unpacking both of these gifts in the next upcoming episode of the Pastor's Corner, okay? And here's going to be my aim. For those who believe that they have this gift, but maybe you've had some really bad experiences in past seasons, you've been belittled or rejected, and people don't take you seriously, it's my hope that after you listen to the Pastor's Corner, you're going to find some real healing and comfort in that episode. And maybe for those who are really skeptical about all this speaking in tongues and tongues interpretation, and perhaps you just don't quite get it. Like, what is all this about? It feels weird. Uh, my hope is that you also walk away from the Pastor's Corner episode, episode two, and you feel encouraged, you feel equipped, and you feel armed with accurate information to help you move forward. But rest assured, I'm not running away from these topics. I'm not, I'm not running away. We're gonna deal with them in a more assertive and expanded way this upcoming Pastor's Corner podcast. So for now, I want you to know this. When either one of these gifts are activated in an unhealthy and an immature way, churches are going to divide. We want to be on the same page theologically about these gifts. So I can't wait to, and I look forward to having this conversation with you guys very soon. Okay, let's keep tracking. The spiritual gift of wisdom. The spiritual gift of wisdom. This is coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Here's the definition. It's to supernaturally apply knowledge to life in such a way as to make spiritual truth simple, relevant, and practical so that other believers can make proper decisions in their daily life situations. It is the combination of knowledge and experience colliding under God's sovereign will. Okay, so let's talk about how this gift plays out from a pastoral perspective so you, I can help you think well. The gift of wisdom. If you have this gift, you have the mind and the heart of God. Wow. You're not just intellectually smart. You have wisdom. You have a sense of how things work in God's kingdom and how it collides with our lives. You tracking? Like those with the gift of wisdom are constantly sought out by people. It doesn't matter if you're old or young, you are pursued. Like, whereas those who usually desire this gift and they don't have it are always trying to get people to follow them, those who actually have the gift of wisdom often will share, man, I, I really don't pursue anybody. People usually come and seek me out. They rarely need to seek opportunities to share wisdom as wisdom or people's desire to gain wisdom comes to them. Now, when problems arise, these are the type of people that often like defer, like people are going to defer to you, right? So if you, when you have this gift and problems arise, people are going to come and they're going to defer to you. So that's another sign that you may have this gift. They are um, able, right? When you have this gift, you are, you are usually able to quickly provide the best possible solution in a difficult circumstance. Does that sound like something that God may have gifted you with? Like, if you have this gift of discernment, um, you, you, you often have the gift of discernment, 
okay i'm sorry if you have this gift of wisdom you usually will have the gift of discernment okay whereas a person with discernment doesn't always have deep wisdom if you have wisdom it's usually always combined with great discernment it's how you activate all that wisdom that god has given you now let's talk about how the gift of wisdom plays out when you're unhealthy or maybe it's immature and god has not developed you yet those with this gift when it's immature can become unapproachable and distant from others without the gift like this gift in particular has the danger listen to me it has the danger of pulling you away from community as others will struggle to to be around you they're going to feel inferior you don't want that you don't want people feeling inferior you got to walk out your wisdom in a humble inviting way a humble and an, and a inviting way okay so here's the big takeaway the, if you have the gift of wisdom you are so special so valuable and so important to the body of christ because you get to help people move beyond information into relationship and application with the god of the universe and how that collides in their life therefore if you want to get beyond simply just knowing what god's word says you want to be seeking out people who have the gift of wisdom like they're going to be able to provide insight into how the word applies to life so whereas you may seek out someone with the gift of knowledge to understand the information of the word of god you want to be quick to find someone with the gift of wisdom with the gift of wisdom to understand the deep implications of what the word of god is saying so you want to be quick to have those in people in your life those with a gift of wisdom these people can provide great comfort care and protection for your soul okay let's keep tracking to the next one the spiritual gift of celibacy this is coming out of first corinthians chapter 7 verses 7 and 8 all right so here's how i put this one together it's to supernaturally and voluntarily remain single here's the key without regret tracking you possess the ability to maintain control of your sexual impulses so that you can serve the lord without distraction so how does this gift of celibacy play itself out the person with this gift remains single so they are able to devote themselves completely to god's work you tracking like they have a type of independence that allows them to more to move quick and to move and to act as the lord commands they are able this is this you like they're able to use their gift more effectively than a married person can because they're celibate and they are single they commit themselves wholeheartedly to projects and responsibilities and they serve as great partners with other people's children and at times foster children and even sometimes what i call providential adoption like if you have this gift you usually desire lifelong friendships with deep intimacy as an alternative to marriage um, you define you you really find immense joy in spending time alone with god and you often will experience deep feelings of being completely satisfied in the presence of god right that might be you if you have the spiritual gift of celibacy okay now let me show you how i think through this pastorally when it's unhealthy or it's still immature if you have this gift and you and it's, it's playing out unhealthy or maybe you're just immature in the gift 
you can experience at sometimes seasons of loneliness because you don't have a spouse and a biological child. And you may long for those things um, instead of remembering the gift that God's given you and the joy that comes out of that. Like if you're not centered on the Lord, you also can become overwhelming to other people when you demand their time and attention. So those who are operating in the spiritual gift of celibacy wrongly or unhealthy or they're immature, they can be demanding of other people's time instead of turning to God for their satisfaction. Okay, but here we go. Here's the important takeaway. If you have the gift of celibacy, you are so valuable, so important, and so special to the body of Christ because the, because you are able to fully ring out your entire life for the gospel mission and the renown of God's name. Whereas husbands and fathers and mothers and wives are always splitting their time and their affections and their resources, you get the opportunity to be sold out for Jesus in a powerful and unique way. Thank you for what you do for God's kingdom if that's you. Let's move on to the next one. The spiritual gift of hospitality. It's coming out of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. It's to supernaturally and warmly welcome, welcome people, even strangers, into one's home or church as a means of serving those in need of food or lodging. Or basically, if you need, if they need a place to stay, you open up your home. So how does this how does this gift play out? Here's how I kind of frameworked it for us on this one. The person with this gift receives great joy at making other people feel welcome and comfortable. You track in attention. They are willing to provide welfare for those who are particularly incapable of repaying them, right? They are particularly generous with their homes and their family and their time. And they're often establishing rhythms of living situations. Like the people are living with them usually throughout different seasons, whenever space is available. They usually are able to see their families larger than just their immediate or biological narrative, right? Does that sound like that might be you? Here's a couple of things. If this is your gift, you are gifted by God and you're not afraid to extend your home and your family to strangers and you love being a peacemaker. Now, how does this gift of hospitality play out when it's unhealthy or maybe just maybe it's just immature in you and you haven't developed it? If that's you, you may see others natural reserve. They like when someone's more reserved and they're not as they're not as open. You may see their natural reserve as unfriendly. Like man, they're not friendly. They're not kind. They're not gospel centered. You may think those things. Um, your family members may suffer and sometimes feel neglected when you lean too heavily into your gift. Um, you 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 may you may use this gift for your own personal esteem and gain to be satisfied instead of keeping it radically focused on God and the person that you are blessing, right? And then also, if it's done unhealthily or you are immature in how you execute it, you may be enabling someone who needs to take personal responsibility to start providing for themselves. And you're not seeking the Lord consistently about what he has to say about how you are operating in your hospitable efforts. Here's the most important takeaway for this one. If you have the spiritual gift of hospitality, you are so valuable, so special, and so important to the kingdom of God because you get to meet the needs of those who are lacking, whether it's shelter or food. And here's the biggest one. You often get to lean in 
and fill the need of someone who has a sense and a need to belong to a family. Like there is no greater earthly gift to offer someone than a place to belong and to call home. All right, let's move on to the next one, the spiritual gift of martyrdom talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. Here's how we think through this one. Um, it's to supernaturally give over one's life to suffer or to be put to death for the mission and the glory of Christ. Okay, this is tough. So let's talk about how this one plays out. This is the best way I can think through this to help you pastorally. Um, we are not, and I believe with all my heart when I look through scripture, we are not born with the knowledge that we have the spiritual gift of martyrdom. It is not given to us unless we need it. Let me say that again. The gift of martyrdom is not given to us unless we need it and God gives it. Like it's different than the other gifts. We get the spiritual gift of giving and we do it and we activate it in our daily lives. But this gift we get when we need it, God will activate it. You tracking with me? Like if we find ourselves being persecuted, then we will supernaturally have the opportunity to receive this gift in the moment that we need to have this gift, right? Like Jesus instructed his followers this way. Let's bring, let's bring the God of the universe into this. When you are brought before synagogues and rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what you should say. Luke chapter 12, verse 11 through 12. Well, if this is true, we can make the wise bridge connection that therefore, if we have things going on in our lives and we are being persecuted to the point of death, do not worry about how you will handle yourself in that moment for the Holy Spirit will teach you what you need to do and will give you the faith that you need. So here's the important takeaway. The spiritual gift of martyrdom is so important, so special for the body of Christ because there are times when our literal lives are the necessary cost for people to be reached with the gospel message because we would not have the very Bible and the very text we're reading if people did not lose their lives for it, namely Jesus and many others. Just remember, God will equip you for such a time as you would need if he called upon you in that moment, believe and trust by faith, he would give you this gift. Let's move on to the next one, the spiritual gift of being a missionary. This is coming out of Ephesians chapter three, verses six through eight. And it's, here's how I wrote this definition. It's to be able to supernaturally minister in another culture that differs from your own context for as long as the Lord calls you to. Not as long as it's convenient, not as long as you want to, but as long as the Lord calls you to. So how does this one play out? Um, those with the special gift, right, of being a missionary um, are able to, in a supernatural way, work with different races and cultures and religions and social political backgrounds. Like they have a sense of calling that may be specific to a community or a culture or a group that's given to them by God. You see what I'm saying? It's not about, oh, I like, oh, I really want to live in, in Russia. Oh, I, no, no. God puts a fire in your soul and a, a, a desire in your belly. And he compels you and motivates you supernaturally to be called to a specific people. 
Um, if this is you, you usually are able to easily be flexible and adapt to new environments and situations at a moment's notice. So you're ready to go. You're flexible. You're ready for God to use you. Like you're, you're just ready to be used no matter where on the planet he might send you. Now let's talk about what this gift looks like when it's unhealthy or immature. If you have the gift of being a missionary, but it's not matured out yet, um, it can feel like you're earning extra credit all the time through your sacrificial living and your mission work. You may tend to be critical of others who are not involved in mission efforts like you are. Um, those on mission sometimes struggle to prioritize their family and personal relationships, right? So if that's you, you may be struggling to prioritize your family um, if you have not matured and how to do that in a way that's God glorifying as you still have other responsibilities God has called you to to lead your home. So here's the important takeaway though. If you have the spiritual gift of being a missionary, you are so valuable, so special, and so important to the body of Christ because you help to extend the reach of that gospel message from your local community to the global, realm, the global world around you because God loves the world, right? John chapter three, verse 16. God loves the world and therefore he wants to see everyone from all around the world have the opportunity to hear the renown of his names and you, you my brother in Christ, you my sister in Christ, have the opportunity and the gifting to reach even the hardest of places. Thank you if that is you, you are so special. Let's move on to the next one. The spiritual gift of voluntary poverty coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse three. Here's how I thought through this one. It's to supernaturally and purposefully live an impoverished lifestyle to serve and aid others with your material resources. Okay, so how's this one playing itself out? If you have this gift, um, um, you may have a Holy Spirit empowered detachment from materialism and other earthly realities. Um, you tend to more easily renounce luxury and you adopt a personal lifestyle equivalent to those living at the poverty level in a given society in order to serve God more effectively. Like Mother Teresa is one of the best examples that I can think of that comes to mind. She had immense resources, multiple millions of dollars at her disposal, yet she chose to live for 50 years, folks, amongst the poor. Like she, did you know, she rarely traveled home. She rarely stayed at home. She denounced the money. She never took the money. She cared for the orphans. She, she um, AIDS, patients with AIDS and, and lepers and tuberculosis victims and, and many more that were in need. So this person with this gift chooses to voluntarily be poor, to minister to the poor, and they're given that by God. Now, what does this gift look like when it's unhealthy? Or maybe you have it, but it's just immature and you need to grow into maturity. So if that's you, you may make the error of assuming everyone's supposed to be doing what you're doing. And this can lead to individuals without the gift feeling oppressed or, or, shame, or, or, or falling into shame because they can't live up to the standard that you, that you get to live by, but it's because they don't have the equipment, they don't have the gift. So individuals with this gift can accidentally make other people feel um, like they're not strong accidentally, right? It's not on purpose, it just means you may be immature in your execution of the gift. But here's the thing, here's, here's the takeaway. 
if you have the spiritual gift of voluntary poverty. You are so special, so valuable, and so important to the body of Christ because you literally get to send some of God's greatest and most sacrificial soldiers, namely yourself and those who have this gift. You, you get to go. You get to go on the front lines to the people that are suffering. That's why it's so important to the body of Christ because, man, you are the one who gets to be that sacrificial, Holy Spirit-led, Jesus-character-embodying soldier for the kingdom of God, leaning into poverty as you love people. Well, man, what a powerful, important, special, valuable gift. You should be so excited, so proud, and so honored if God has given you that inclination. Do not fear that gift. Amen. Amen. Now, um, again, if you look at the bottom of your spiritual gifts chart, you're going to see, remember those five major gifts that we have talked about back in part 15. And so if you did not listen to part 15, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that sermon where we really kind of fillet open and break down the five major gifts. But we're going to do a quick review right now as we get ready to land this plane on this sermon about the five major gifts. Now, remember, apostles are the ones who govern the entire global church. So if you have the major gift, the spiritual gift of, of the apostle, it means that you, man, you have a, just a, a love and a passion and a deep supernatural given concern and care for the whole world when it comes to Christ's mission being known, right? So I talked about that in part 15. I don't really, I don't have that naturally where I'm just so concerned with what's going on on the other, other side of the world. But those who have the gift of being an apostle have that deep burning desire to make sure that the whole church is working as a collective body of Christ. Prophets, let's move on to the next one. Prophets are the ones who guide the church, right? So these are ones who, whose ears are especially near to scripture as they hear a direct word from the Lord. Now, Pastor Jack wants you to know that, so I'm, I'm gonna say it again to you really, really clear. Those who have the gift of being, an, um, of being a prophet are those who have an ear that is especially sensitive and near to the scripture as they hear a direct word from God. So they use, they hear a direct word from God, that's what makes you a prophet, and they examine it and they test all things by the scripture, okay? That's what a prophet is. Let's talk about evangelists briefly. And evangelists are the ones who gather the church. So you, you have, you're, you're in one of these five camps, you tracking? So, so if you have the gift of being an evangelist, man, you have a passion to be, to, to pursue those who are far from Jesus. You love, you love messy stories. Remember that? You love messy stories. You gather people. You are powerful. You are so special to the kingdom because you want to see those who are far from Jesus enter into the safe waters of the body of Christ. We talked about that a little bit longer in part 15. You can, you can go back and listen to that. If you, if you have the, the spiritual gift of pastoring or shepherding, it, you are the one who guards the church, right? So you are a protector. You, you exhort people. You, you, you stand in the gap. You remember, we're naturally, when a wolf is coming, we run away from a wolf. If we were in nature, but a shepherd runs to the wolf, they use their staff. Well, on a spiritual perspective, pastors run towards the wolves. They run towards suffering and sin. They're not afraid. They run to these problems that are in your life, and they come, and they guard, and they protect, and they get ready to help you mature and to grow and to grow strong roots so that you can pick up your cross and run your Hebrews 12 race 
well. And then finally, the gift of being a teacher. These are the ones who grow the church and they are the ones that are equipped with the special gift of taking the word of God and that is inspired by the Holy Spirit and flaying it open so that you can t eat it in consumable bite-sized pieces and grow with a healthy, well-balanced meal. So that's a quick review of those five major gifts. Part 15, you can go and track through them deeper as a reminder. Now, let's, let, let's land the plane. Believe it or not, we've just spent over, ready? Four hours having a conversation across 16 verses in Ephesians chapter four over the course of three weeks. That's incredible. Like if you've been leaning in with us for those three weeks, what an accomplishment. I'm so proud of you. God is so proud of you. That is an awesome thing. And my hope, are you ready? My aim and my hope is that you walk away from these sermons more encouraged than you ever were before you began them. You tracking? More encouraged than you ever were before you began them. And I want you to remember that you have been gifted and you have been given these gifts so that you could give them back to the body of Christ. I, I really need you to get that. Do not allow your life to terminate on yourself. Your life has been given so you can give it back to God. Because remember, you can make a living by everything that you get and everything that you receive. But if you want to get in the game of living a beautiful life and leaving a beautiful legacy that glorifies God and satisfies you, you got to live a life that's about giving. Therefore, therefore, I really do hope that you found the explanation of these spiritual gifts helpful for you. That as I broke each and every one of them down, you had this internal voice that occasionally was saying, yes, that one sounds like me. I, I think that one's, that one's me, God, because I want you to be so encouraged, right? I want you to be so confident to be you, simply but, but supernaturally you. And that means you got to know your spiritual gifts because as you take a step in learning your spiritual gifts and your talents and landing in that, it's going to help you then to have greater and greater clarity upon your purpose and about your calling and as your calling and your purpose come into greater clarity here's 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 the good news are you ready this is where we get ready to land some beautiful news here's the good news when your purpose and your calling come into greater clarity because you understand your spiritual gifts you're going to be more vibrant and confident to be at peace with yourself you're going to be at peace with god and you're going to be at peace with others who doesn't want that that's what i want for my life man i want to be radically at peace with myself so I can rest and have the joy of the Lord set before me. I want to be in radical peace with God, knowing who I am and what he wants from me. Don't you want that? And then, man, I want to be at peace with other people so I can live in relationship with them in a way that's satisfying. Do you want that? That's what I want for you. That's what we want for you here at Redemption City Church. Now, Next Sunday, this is super important, lean in. Next Sunday, I'm going to be sending out a spiritual gifts family discipleship guide where you are going to have the opportunity to really kind of process and to work through everything that we've been talking about over the past three weeks. And within this family discipleship guide, so it's going to be a guide that's going to help you work through this whole thing. It's going to be beautiful. And I want you to do this. Okay. Now within this family discipleship guide, probably at the end of the guide, you're going to see special information about how you can sign up online for a free one-on-one -on -one spiritual encouragement meeting with either myself or 
Pastor Jack. And there you're going to be able in these meetings to really kind of flesh out and to better discover how God might have wired you to simply be you supernaturally with these gifts. So if you are kind of still unsure about your gifts or how to play them out, you can sign up for one of these sessions so you can start getting in the game. And we are super excited and humbled to have this opportunity to come alongside you and to be your pastors and to help you. So now myself and Pastor Jack, we're each going to have, you tracking? We're going to have three to four spots each. Pastor Jack's probably going to have four um, appointment slots and I'm going to have three appointment slots total. And they're going to be given out on a first come, first serve basis okay so you really want to be ready to get that text message and that email next sunday and you're going to receive it in whatever way you normally receive our sermons okay now because redemption city church loves the world and we want to take this time to really man give good gifts not just to our people but to anybody who's listening today we're making these one-on-one appointments available to you as well so if you've been leaning in throughout this spiritual gifts conversation you also can do the same thing online and sign up and again these are going to be first come first serve basis whether you're in our church or out of our church i have three spots pastor jack has four spots so stay tuned for that message next sunday or excuse me that guide and in that guide you'll see the information of how to sign up now last thing please keep your eye out for episode two of the pastor's corner coming out and here's why there i'm going to be able to put some final touches on this very important conversation about spiritual gifts and the many many frustrations that come when you're trying to discover and integrate them in your life and how they create a lot of tension inside churches so i'm i'm really looking forward to that there in this conversation we're going to be able to really take our time and work through the spiritual gift of tongues and tongues interpretation i told you and i promised i was going to come back to that so look out for the pastor's corner episode two because i'm going to really sit in that tongues and the gift of tongues interpretation and we're going to we're going to lean towards that we're going to march in that we are not afraid to talk about tongues at all so this should be a very fruitful and just honestly an enjoyable conversation that i get to have in a more natural way between ezekiel brother ezekiel and myself and i'll be taking some more time to finish up with this is the this is the good thing so don't lose your roadmap and as we do this pastor's corner episode i'm going to be breaking down the nine important and practical conclusions that i want you to have regarding spiritual gifts and if you see it on your on your roadmap there's a section right there that's going to be for the pastor's corner and so lean into that look out for episode two and I'm going to make sure that we kind of walk and track through the nine important and practical conclusions for the spiritual gifts conversation so you can get in the game this should be a fun podcast for sure all right that's all we have for today I've hopefully I've done all that I can in Christ using my gifts to encourage you and support you through Ephesians I'm looking forward to spending some more time with you in the word of God soon let's get ready to pray Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for being such a good God to us, Lord. For being a a, a God who sent his son, dying and giving up his life to save us, Lord. To save us from ourselves, God. To save us from Satan. To save us from everything that has separated us from you. And Lord, we thank you and we proclaim that we are not deserved of these good gifts that you have given us and lavished upon us so effectively. But we are ready, Lord. We are ready by the power of the Holy Spirit to step in and to lean into this life, this call, this purpose that you have given us, and that's to make your name known around all the world, Lord. 
But Lord, we want to start by doing that in our homes. We want to start by doing that in our neighborhoods and in our local communities, Lord. Give us confidence. Move us out of insecurity. We are enough, Lord, in you, God. Enough is enough of of looking down ourselves. We are tall enough. We are smart enough. We are wise enough. We are pretty enough. We are handsome enough. We are holy. All of this in Christ was done, God. So free us from ourselves. Free us from our minds. Free us from all the roadblocks that are stopping us from getting in the game so that we can live the lives you've called us to. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.